This is Rich Phipps, and I'm the lead pastor of Grace Collective Church. Welcome to our podcast. Whether you're a part of our local church family or a part of our online community, we're so glad that you're here. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to service this morning. How's everybody doing? All right, you're a little bit more awake than at 1030, and so am I, so that works out really well for both of us. Uh, I just want to send a special hello and shout out to our online audience. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're so excited you're here. You can give us a shout out as well. Uh, and also a special uh, shout out to one of our very special online guests this morning, my favorite mother-in-law, Gaynell Joyce. She's turning 29 today. So just, if you see her online, wish her a happy birthday. She'd be really thrilled to do that. We're excited you're joining us here this morning as well. I want to spend just a moment introducing myself. Everybody else got the opportunity to do so, so I want to introduce myself to you. If you were here the very first time that we had service uh, together in, in various places, you, you might, well, I guess at the lamp, it was the first time that I was there. You guys had services at the lamp before I got there, but um, I was introduced as the executive pastor here at Grace Collective Church, um, but I have actually been connected with Pastor Rich and Marsha and Kylie uh, before that. In fact, this month represents two years since they sat on my back deck, and I finally surrendered to the calling of helping plant a church. I had had a couple of different opportunities before then, and they said in July of 2020, they said, we said, God, this is the right moment. He confirmed it to us, and we said, Pastor Rich, we are excited to join with you all. So it, in many ways, July represents a bit of an anniversary for us, and we're so excited that we're able to, to be a part of what God is doing here in our midst. And so as you have been with us perhaps this morning, uh, is your first time, we want to welcome you. If this is not your first time, we have, you know that we are in the middle of a series that we've been talking about Game On. And so I wanted to talk about one of the different board games we've been talking about, different ones all summer. Each one has been about helping us understand and define a little bit more about God's love, about how much he cares about us, how much he just really wants us to understand a little bit more about him. And so we've been using these board games to sort of help us understand a little bit more about God's love. And so this morning, I want to take some time to talk about one of my favorite board games growing up, and that's Uno. I used to love to play Uno. It was one of my favorite card games. There's been a couple of different variations. There's even an Uno attack that exists in our world today. That's not what we're going to spend some time talking about. But Uno is one of my favorite uh, games. It's a pretty popular game. I'm, I'm sure most, if not all of you, have, are familiar with it or familiar with the idea. It's not as popular as Blood Rage, as Pastor Mark shared with us a couple of weeks ago. But I think a few of you have probably played it and, and have been involved with this card game before. If you're not familiar, the game of Uno is one where you're dealt seven cards to begin with, and each card has a particular color and either has a number on it or an instruction on how to sort of deal that card, and you have to match all the cards and get rid of all the cards that are in your hand as time goes on, and in order to win the game, you have to be the first player not holding any more cards in your hands. So it's a, it's a fun game, it's easy to play, it's easy to pick up with, but most importantly as it pertains to our discussion this morning, there's one nuance within the game that happens that when you're holding just one card, when you're just left with one card, you have to shout out the word Uno, right? You have to say Uno. And if you don't call out Uno in a timely manner, there's another player and any of the players that are involved with the game can shout out, you didn't say Uno. And you're forced to pick up several cards and plays continues until obviously someone is left with no cards in their hands. And so as I contemplated this game, as I contemplated this series, I felt that this game had to be a part of this series because um, it's one of those things that we just really need to talk about because the reason that I was, excuse me, the reason that I felt like it was so important is because the game of Uno, you learn quickly that holding one card is important. And it means that you're about to be successful in handing out the cards that you've been dealt. And in our lives, we've been dealt a few cards. We have jobs, relationships, families. 
volunteer work, Netflix, all these things are pulling in our time and our energy, and then they're pulling all of our focus. And having all these things in our lives can pull our attention into so many different places that we feel often overwhelmed, or we feel hurt, or we feel lost, we feel not seen because we feel so buried by all the tasks that are placed before us. And that's exactly the place that the devil wants us to be. He wants us to feel that way because when we're feeling that way, we, we aren't living out the purpose that God calls us to. We aren't becoming the lights of the world that God calls us to and created us to be. And that can feel so frustrating because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So this morning, let's ask a few questions. The first one I want to ask you is, what's keeping you from calling out Uno in your life? What's causing you to pick up extra cards? What's causing you to keep your focus off of Jesus? And so as I began preparing for this message, I asked myself one really good question that I think is important for all of us to ask that will help us kind of get to the bottom of some of our discussion this morning. And that is, am I focusing on the one card that God has dealt to me? Now, before we dive too deeply into our time together, I want to put some scripture down to kind of give us a foundation and understanding uh, a launching point as we talk about the game of, of Uno. We're going to read from Luke chapter 10. We're going to go through verses 38 through 42. Now, just to give you a quick background, as many of you are turning and opening your Bibles right now because you have pages and you're turning. No, I'm just kidding. As, you're, as, you're, as we set up this as text, this is written by Luke. Luke was a physician. He was an educated man. He was one who understood a little bit more about uh, formality. And he spent some time being very detail-oriented and chronological in his presentation of who Jesus was in his life. And so when you read the Gospel of Luke, it's different than when you read the stories of, of, that Matthew presents or, or Mark presents or John presents. It, it allows you a little bit of a different perspective, a little bit more detail, a little bit more orientation. In this particular chapter, all by itself, in Luke chapter 10, what we see here is there's two stories that Luke begins to tell. The first one is of the Good Samaritan, and many of you are familiar with that particular story. The second one here is uh, of Mary and Martha. And so we're going to pick up our story here in verse 38. In verse 38, it says this, Jesus and his disciples went on their way, and Jesus came into a village where a woman named Martha lived, and she welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, and Mary had sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was busy with all the things that had to be done. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, my sister has left me to do the work by myself. Don't you care? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Really, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, the story of Mary and Martha, we see two women, one who has initially found joy in her calling, but then she gets a little bit frustrated. And then we see Mary, one who's sitting at the feet of Jesus, the one where she finds peace and rest and strength. More times than not, I, I feel like Martha. On, on more days than I care to admit, I feel like I, I, my normal is just about running through my list of things to do that, that I have to get through. And, and then when I get to the end of it, I begin to feel frustrated and overwhelmed. And I have no idea which end is up because it seems like no matter how many tasks I cross off my list, it seems like more begin to pile up. And what I've learned is, and the reason behind all these uh, feelings of frustration, the thing that I've learned over the last few years is, that it's, and it's something that I try to continue to practice is that instead of running through the list of things that I have to do in my life just for the sake of accomplishment, I need to run to God. 
You see, this journey that we have for us, it isn't about crossing off the things of our list for the sake of accomplishment. The journey is about doing things that he calls us to do so that we can have our focus upon him completely. When I focus on the list and I just run through the list to get to the end of it, I lose focus because my focus is on the list. It isn't on the one. I lose sight of God's work in my life. And I try to do all these things on my own. And as I'm trying to do all these things and I'm so busy spinning all these plates, I get distracted and I forget to call out Uno. And then because of that, I end up with all these other uh, cards that I have to pick up and more tasks and wondering how in the world did I not win in this situation? It leaves me feeling lost and alone. However, when my focus is on God, the giver of purpose to my list, I find strength. I find peace and joy. The the joy that I have of doing this life on purpose, on his purpose. I find myself at the feet of Jesus accomplishing that which he has called me to do. So in order to focus on Uno, the one card that's really important to keep my focus on God, I have to ask myself, what is the one activity that if I did it well and consistently, it would have significant and positive results on my walk with God? The answer, as I contemplated this, wasn't a big surprise. The one significant activity that I needed to embrace was spending time alone with God in his word and in prayer. That's the main message of the story of Mary and Martha. The story that we just read, it's this amazingly concise moment in time that Luke uses to punch us distracted Uno players right between the eyes. The story, uh, the author of the story, Luke, he seems to intentionally put it in this place both to contrast the preceding story that we talked about with the Good Samaritan and the teaching of Jesus to help us understand more about Jesus' teaching and also elaborates us a little bit more on the previous point of the story. As we mentioned a little bit ago, this story of the Good Samaritan, there's a lawyer that comes to Jesus and he asks him this question. He says, what's more important to take care of this uh, thing or to love God? And so Jesus answers with the story of the Good Samaritan and he says, listen, the Good Samaritan was beaten up. He was, or I'm sorry, this, this man was beaten up and he was left on the side of the road. And then the good Samaritan, who nobody in this crowd that he, Jesus was talking to liked or appreciated. This dude that, that everybody wanted to cast out. He comes to the rescue of this guy that's been beaten up and left for dead on the side of the road. Robbed and, and left of every, without anything. So this good Samaritan, this outcast, this one that everybody rejected, comes and picks up this guy, takes care of his medical bills, takes care of making sure there's a roof over his head, and makes sure that this guy's taken care of. And so in this story, Jesus' response is is telling the story that we should have love for our neighbors. But in the story that follows of Mary and Martha, we see this example of what it means to love God. And as Mary sits at Jesus' feet. Now, if we only have the story of the Good Samaritan, we might be left with the impression that our service for God can take precedence over our devotion for God. But the story of Mary tells us that the devotion to God must be the basis of all our service for him. Worship must be the foundation of our work. And I think it's interesting and significant that the three times that we read about Mary, now this is not Mary, Jesus' mother, this is a different Mary. As we read about Mary, there's three different instances that we see here, and in each instance, she's at the feet of Jesus. The first time is when her brother dies, and and she comes to Jesus' feet, and she falls, and she cries out, God, why weren't you here earlier? The second time that that I want to mention, other than this one that we had talked about here as she's sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha's going crazy in the kitchen, is she's there anointing Jesus right before his burial and right before his death. Excuse me, right before his death. So it might go without saying, but I think it's worth saying anyway, 
that we can't literally obviously sit at the feet of Jesus. Jesus in human form has come to this earth. He has died. He has ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the Father. So there's no physically sitting at Jesus' feet that can occur right now. Now there's going to be a moment where he comes back. It's going to be amazing, awesome. The clouds are going to part. It's going to burp. It's going to be great. So that's going to be a cool moment, but that's not the moment that we're in yet. And and obviously, we're also not talking about sitting around all day and not doing anything. Like sometimes, uh, Stacy, my wife, she'll call into me, Jonathan, can you take out the trash? And I'm like, no, honey, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus right now. I can't possibly take care of those tasks. That's not what we're advocating. Get up, take out the trash, come back. Your wife will love you. And if, if you don't understand that, there's a marriage event happening August 12th right here. <laughs> we'll talk about all that then, too. But we're obviously not talking about just sitting around all day. That's not what we're advocating for either. This morning, as we talk about sitting at the feet of Jesus, as we talk about calling out Uno in this game of life, we're talking about this figurative or this metaphorical concept of spending time on a regular basis, listening and learning to the words of Jesus. So let's start with the why. I'm a why guy. Why do we need to spend time at Jesus' feet? There were a lot of years where I sat in the seats that you're sitting in now, and I had some guy up on stage or some person up on stage telling me that it was important and it was critical that I do this thing, and I should do it, and I should do it, and I should do it. And that's good, and it's true, but why? Why do I need to do this thing? Why is it important? Why is it important to sit at the feet of Jesus? Why do I really need to do this thing? And so that brings us to our first question that we're going to kind of, or not our first question, we've asked a bunch of questions, but the first point that I'd like to make this morning is why is UNO necessary? Now, many of you have tried, perhaps you were like me as I was starting out in my Christian life or even as as spent some time in college, you spent some time really trying to dig into God's word. Maybe you made a New Year's resolution. This year, I'm really going to dig into God's word. And you go out with all this gusto and energy. I'm going to eat all those pages up. I'm going to tear them down. It's going to be great. The digestion is going to be great. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. I'm going to read. And you get into Genesis and you're like, yeah, man, I'm all about this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And oh, look out. Here comes a flood. Everything's getting wet and washed. Oh, but now it's clean and pure and good. Here comes Father Abraham. He had a ton of sons, sir. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm one of them. And so are you. So let's just, oh, that's a different song. But he goes into all this thing at the end of Genesis. And then Exodus comes. Like, oh, stuff's about to get good, right? People are in captivity. Boom, God shows up with Moses. Everybody comes out. And as they come out, they take all the gold of the land with them. Everything's going well. They're in the land. Walls are falling down. Everything's amazing. It's great. It's good. And then Leviticus <laughs> comes and the genealogies begin to creep into your quiet time with God. And you begin to ask yourself, God, why does it matter whose third cousin of the fourth guy is? I don't feel uplifted spiritually because of this. Now, there's purpose in Leviticus, and we can get into that in a different sermon, but it's difficult when you're trying to go through your daily devotional time to get into Leviticus. And so you don't get a lot out of it, and maybe you quit. But whatever happens to kill your motivation, the fact that Jesus calls Mary's action of sitting at his feet and listening to his word the necessary thing ought to be a sufficient reason for us to commit ourselves to it. But I want to give you four reasons why you should uh, take some time to sit at the Lord's feet. The first one is God's word provides the wisdom that we need. In the best Greek manuscripts, which is what scripture was originally, the New Testament was originally written in mostly Greek. So as we go back to some of the most original manuscripts that we can find, in this particular manuscripts, uh, in in these manuscripts, in this particular story that Luke tells, the words the Lord rather than Jesus are used throughout this story. 
Because Luke is making the point that Jesus is no, not some dude. He's not some guy. He's not even just a really good teacher. This is God himself in flesh talking. And so when he speaks, these are God's words that are happening in, in this moment and in this situation. Now, I used to often always think, too, man, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, Jesus were here and, like, he was sitting on this stool and we could listen to him and we could sit at his feet and that would be really cool. And, man, I would learn so much from that and that would be really great. If I had that kind of connectivity with Jesus, man, I'd have no problem. And then God smacked me in the back of the head and said, listen, you do have my words. It's in the Bible. In that app that you don't often open on your phone, in those pages that go a little bit of dust, grow a little bit of dust on your shelves, you have my word, you have my truth. It would have been wonderful if we could have had that, and then God's like, "Yeah, you do have that. It's right here." First Peter chapter two verse two tells us that we should be like newborn babies that are always longing for the pure milk of the word, that we can grow and understand a little bit more about what it means to have salvation in our lives. God's word gives us knowledge on how to love God and to also how to love one another. And yet so many Christians are often defeated by mistakes. They're defeated by things that miss God's plan and his purpose. Their relationships with him get strained. Their relationships with others get strained. But they seldom, we seldom go to the Bible to, to try to find these answers and to search out a, a solution to the situation that we find ourselves in. It's as if we're dying from a terrible, horrible disease. That this thing is literally killing us. It's eating away at us. And there's a cure for it right here on this shelf. But instead of going to the shelf and reaching up and taking it down and ingesting it into our bodies, we've decided, I'm too busy to reach up on that shelf. I'll figure it out on my own. We don't even use it. And so not only does God's word give us the wisdom that leads us to salvation and to understanding, it gives us the perspective that we need to help face life's trials, including that of death. The Bible promises us hope in the midst of our trials and hope beyond the grave. The Bible also allows us to have a conversation with God. Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his teaching, and it implies this relationship. It implies an exchange of conversation where she's able to grow deeper into her understanding of who God is. We often think about Jesus' teaching as telling a story, and there's just one way of communication, but there was a conversation that was happening. There was a relationship that was building. There was a thing that was happening. If she didn't understand, she could just ask him, just like you could ask the person next to you, I don't understand what's going on here. Can you help me you know like you're watching a movie you're watching a tv show why did that guy do that to that person well that's because da 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 and the same thing is true with mary in this in this situation and it's the same thing that we have to remember as we're spending time in the word and in prayer it's not so they can check off something on a goals chart the point of our quiet time the point of our time sitting at the feet of jesus is to meet with the lord to commune with him just as mary did and as we sit at his feet listening to his word hearing what he has to say but also asking the questions that that we need to ask the word puts life's pressures into a proper perspective as well Mary, or Martha, excuse me, is in this situation. She's feeling the pressure of preparing a meal for her honored guest. She wanted everything just to be right for the occasion. But because of her focus on all the other things of her list, instead of on Jesus, instead of on the one, she ended up worried and bothered by so many things. If she had just taken time to join her sister at Jesus' feet, all the pressures would have fallen into a proper perspective. And this applies to us as well. 
we can often get to a point where our list for the day, our list for the week, our list for the year is so long, I can't possibly stop for five minutes. I can't possibly stop and do those kinds of things. Can I just encourage you for a moment that if you just stopped for a moment and allowed your time with God to be a time of reading in his word and talking with him, Things won't magically fix themselves, but what you'll begin to find is that if you have priority one correct, then item two, three, four, five, six, up to a billion will more easily fall into place. It's like trying to solve a puzzle. If you can't get that first piece down and connected the right way, you have no real shot of getting the rest of them connected. Amen? It's stupid, but it's true. Like, that's just logic. If you can't get the first piece connected with the second piece, it's not going to work. So you've got to get that first piece down right. You've got to get it situated the right way. And I'm not telling you to all work, but I will tell you that I have found personally in my own life that as I put that first thing first, then item two is a lot easier to accomplish. I don't have to work at it four, five, six, seven, and eight, nine times. Two falls into place. Three works itself out. Four ends up being into something that gets pushed and, and helps up my schedule. So seven, eight, nine can work out. Things begin to fall into place, and I become more productive and more capable in in finishing tasks better because I put number one and took the time to commit to number one being done. God's word also cannot be taken for you. Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet. She chose to listen to his word. And she would have these lessons, these conversations that she had with God long in her heart and in her mind, long after that physical meal had been forgotten. You can lose just about everything in this life, as recent history has taught us. You can, but you can never lose your time with the Lord. You can lose your job. You can lose your money, your possessions. You can lose your friendships. You can lose all kinds of things. But Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that nothing, not tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, not even the death, not even death itself or demonic powers can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So spending time at our Lord's feet and listening to his word is so wonderful then why don't we call out Uno more often? Why don't we Uno more often? There's a couple of reasons that I think uh, exist. Most of them are long and exhaustive, and there's probably a list so long of things of reasons why we don't that I don't have enough time to talk about them all this morning. But there are two areas that I think are the biggest hurdles that we currently face in our lives. The first one is we're too busy with our urgent, our real significantly important demands. Martha was distracted with all her preparations. She was worried and bothered by about so many things. And there were all these urgent demands of getting the meal prepared. She's setting the table. She's baking the bread. She's roasting the meat. She's fixing the vegetables. She's coordinating everything so that that it can all get done in the same time. And we don't know if Jesus was alone. Jesus often traveled in a in a group. There was 12 disciples that traveled with him. And, And we often talk about just those 13 guys. But There's a chance, a very real chance, that it wasn't just those 13. It was probably more than that. Like, they talk about, we know about the 12 disciples, but those people, there was a crowd that would follow Jesus, and at different times, that crowd was larger or smaller. I don't think that Martha was preparing a meal for everybody in Jesus' posse, but I think that there's at least the 12 in him that were involved in that situation. But even if they weren't, even if it was just Jesus and everybody else went off to do their own meal, there was still a lot to do. It was an important guest, and it was very urgent. It's not like they RSVP'd in advance. He showed up. I, he just showed up, man. I, I know how annoyed I get. I don't, typically don't have to show people that just show up at my house. I don't feed them dinner. I just get annoyed that they show up at my house unannounced. And like, Martha's there. She's like, you're here and you want dinner? Okay. And can you imagine how much trouble you would, you, you would feel at that moment that you're trying to eat? Jesus needs dinner, and I haven't even been to the grocery store this week. Like, that's kind of crazy to think about. 
And our lives today, they're filled with pressure. We all feel it. We face deadlines. Whether it's preparing an evening meal, getting a report done for school, being the Uber driver for your children's next practice, game, training, or preparing someone for some important event or some activity that's going to be happening at work or, or wherever else it is that uh, things are going on. These elements are important in our lives, but they can become so overwhelming and they can pull our focus away from sitting at the feet of Jesus and keeping us from calling out Uno. And if we're not careful, the busyness of our lives will crowd out the essential time that we're going to need with God. Even the good things, like serving a good cause, can wrongly crowd out the necessary thing that we need in our lives. And here's the problem that I think a lot of us are facing right now. We think we are what we do. And even though God may have called you to it, who you are is not what you do. Say that again. Who you are is not what you do. The thing that you do is, is part of the process of becoming who God created you to be. It's the stream with which you're nourished by, but the sustainer of that stream is Christ. In the moments of our lives where we don't focus on the sustainer, that stream is going to end up drying up, and that dryness will occur because God wants to shift our perspective and often our physical location. You see, the streams of your life will dry up so that you'll be forced to move from where you are into another place so that you can see God's face more clearly, so that you can sit at his feet, so that you can call out Uno and be focused on that one thing. Oswald Chambers, who was a fairly popular, is, is I guess he's passed away, but he's still a fairly popular Christian author. He once wrote in his personal journal that he had with his that reflected his prayers to God. He wrote, sometimes... God comes in the clouds. And he goes on to expand on this idea saying that there are seasons of our lives where life will be so cloudy. It'll be so difficult to seem that the streams of the water that will sustain our lives seem to be so dry. Not because God is trying to teach us something. In fact, he is trying to get us to unlearn our natural tendencies to do something. You see, when our natural, our natural reaction is something is wrong so I have to fix it. Right? There's a hole in the pool liner of my pool at the house. I have to get a patch. My car is broken. I need to get it fixed. The, 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 the carpet needs replaced. I need to go take care of that. There's not enough uh, money, so let's spend less or make more or maybe both. We have a cut. We need a bandage. And sometimes our lives have these moments that are so filled with clouds, so filled with issues, so filled with difficulties, so, so that we can stop. So that we can wait. And so that we can listen. For the voice of Jesus who's guiding us and calling us and telling us, if you just come sit here at my feet, I'll help you find a way through these clouds. The second thing that we deal with, I think, other than our issues is that our problems are too big. You see, there's this odd feeling, and I've talked with Pastor Rich about this recently, and we kind of share this experience a little bit. Um, there's this odd feeling that comes around when people discover that I'm a pastor. They immediately feel like, I guess, and we've not had this, I've not had this discussion with other people um, that I've experienced this with, but my thought is that they immediately feel like I'm judging them for something. It happens all the time. I'll meet one of my children's new coaches or the parents of their friends or wh whatever the situation is, and I don't introduce myself as Pastor Jonathan. Because that's just weird. It's like awkward. Like I'm not, I'm not that guy in general, but I just... 
It's just not me. If you're like you're in the church here, I'm Pastor Jonathan. But if I'm just meeting you on the sideline of my kid's soccer game, I'm just Jonathan. That's just me. So I don't introduce myself that way, and, but it often doesn't take too long to come up in conversation. And as soon as it does, everything changes. It becomes awkward, uh, and, and people begin to start to recount everything that they just said or had said previously in a conversation. <laughs> and all of a sudden, <laughs> they're stammering and stuttering, and um, it's just, it, it feels bad for me because I, I dislike that so much. If you're going to be you, then be you. Like, I, I don't judge you. I honestly, that's between you and God. And most of the things that you're censoring yourself for right now are things that you already knew the Bible told you not to do anyway. So me being there is not, God sees you. I don't, listen, I care because I want you to spend eternity in heaven, but like, that's just, like, just be you. Just be authentic. Just be who you are. It, it, it bothers me so much. I just wish people would be just people. I'm just me. I'm the same guy that you were just about to say that thing to a minute ago. Like, nothing has changed. You just have more knowledge, and that's just crazy. But anyway, I'm just the messenger. I'm not the judge. It's not my responsibility. I don't tell you who goes and doesn't go into heaven. Like I, because, and if it were up to me, there'd be some days where I'd get in and there'd be other days where I wouldn't get in because I'm just like, oh, I didn't deserve it today. But that's not my job. I'm not the judge. I'm just the messenger of God's word. I tell you what it says as best I understand it. But to that end and with that feeling, I think we as people feel the same way when it comes to God. We feel like our problems are too big and we want to solve them first and then we'll come to God. We want to get clean before we go get clean, right? Does anybody else have that situation in their lives? Maybe just me. Or perhaps we think our sin is too great. We, we don't want to make eye contact with, that, with God. We don't want to be within the sound of his voice because what if he says something or gets angry with me? Now, those lies are too emotionally complicated for me to unpack and disprove individually today. But let me just say this. In all honesty, we live in lives where we feel like often our problems are this big. Our circumstances are this big. My sin, my mistake is this big. My problems are this large. I, I can't possibly come to God like this. But your God nailed himself to a cross just like this. And I think he did it on purpose because he could have chose to die any way that he wanted to die. He could have chose to have resurrection any way that he chose to resurrect. But he did it this way because he wanted to prove a point, And that was, listen, I can handle your problems that are this big. I can handle the sin in your life that's this big. I can handle the circumstance in your life that's this big. This is what I'm here to do. And I'm also holding out my arms ready to embrace you with a moment of love and mercy and grace and truth and, 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 and forgiveness. If you'll only take that step to me. You see, Jesus was nailed there. He can't move. We have to step towards him and embrace him with his arms wide open. Now, this morning, perhaps you've walked into service for the first time. You've never been inside a church before. Maybe it's been a long time. Or maybe you've been to church every Sunday. And in this moment right now, you're saying to yourself, I've walked away from God. I've walked away from who he is. I've walked away from that life where I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. In the next 30 seconds, I want to challenge you to do that right here, right now. We're going to do it in a second. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everybody, we're going to just bow our heads. We're going to close our eyes. I'm going to lead you in a quick prayer. And if that's you this morning, you can just repeat that prayer in your heart. The Bible says that if you pray this prayer, ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and make him the Lord of your life. You're, after your last breath on here on this earth, 
your next breath will be with him in paradise, in heaven, and in glory with him. If that's you this morning, perhaps you're already feeling that tug on your heart. Would you bow your heads, everyone together, would you bow your heads together? And just in your heart, just repeat this prayer after me. Lord God, I'm sorry I've walked away. Or Lord, I'm sorry that I have not yet embraced you. But Lord, I ask that you would become the Lord of my life. You would forgive me of my sins. You would forgive me of my mistakes. And Lord, you would just receive me now into your kingdom. Lord, I ask that you would continue to show me the way so that I might grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If that was you for the first time this morning, you can check out uh, Pastor Rich or myself after service. You can check us out online. You can email us. We've got all kinds of great opportunities and tools that we want to plug you into to get you connected with the next step of who Jesus is. But God can take your problems. He can carry your sin. He can carry your shame. He can carry your regret. He can fix those problems in your marriage. He can fix those problems that you might be having with your children, with your finances. He died in that way, and he wants you to know that his arms are wide open. They're ready for you to receive him. So in the time remaining, which is not very long, I want to ask and talk about the how. We've answered all the whys and the why not, but let's make it practical for just a moment. How can we get started sitting at Jesus' feet? Or how can I call Uno in my life? It's a stop and start situation. First stop. We're not told what Martha's response was to Jesus' rebuke, but it would not have been easy for her to change. The, thing, the easy thing for her would have been to maybe break into tears, get emotional at the Lord's rebuke, and go into another room and feel sorry for herself because no one understood how hard it was to put together a good meal. But in order to change, Martha had to stop blaming the Lord for not caring, stop blaming Mary for not helping, and sit down with a teachable heart and listen to what the Lord was teaching without worrying about her roast in the kitchen. And I hope that Martha did that, but I can guarantee you it would not have been easy. We have to stop blaming others for why we don't spend a consistent time with the Lord. It's not our spouse's fault. It's not our children's fault. It's not our boss's fault or our roommate's fault. It's not our schedule's fault. It's our fault. We've got to humble ourselves, admit our mistake to God, and we've got to put it in our schedule that we're going to spend some time with him. Put it on your calendar. Put it on your device. Let it be a reoccurring event on a regular basis so that you know this is the time. I can't schedule anything else during this time. This is the moment that I'm going to schedule. And and guarantee you, as soon as you schedule it, there will be a conflict. And that's when you have a choice to make. Are you going to call out Uno or are you going to pick up some more cards? And we have to start simply. If you don't have a consistent time with God, don't begin with this goal of one hour a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I guarantee you, you're setting yourself up for failure. That's if you can't start from zero and go to a million, like that's just not how it works. And no facet of life is that a practical or good application of how to do life. Start slow, start simply. Aim for 20 minutes a day to at least five days a week. Start with the book of Matthew or Luke. Just open the Bible app. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and, and read a chapter or even just a small section. I do this. This is, this is my thing here. I go to like there's a chapter heading. Like it'll say, uh, Jesus went to Bethlehem, whatever the, the, the title is. And there's like five verses there. And then there's another title. Um, Peter said something stupid. Like, and there's 17 verses after that. But we, <laughs> that was unfair to Peter. Like I feel like later in heaven he's going to be like, bro, come on. Anyway, so, but I just read those first four verses or five verses, whatever that is under that heading. And I digest and I work on that. 
It doesn't need to be the whole chapter. It doesn't need the whole book. Just, just read a section. Take what you can. Let it be in your mind. Let it be something you meditate upon and listen to how God's speaking through those small section of verses. There's an easy, uh, if, if, if you want to do something a little bit more structured, there's an easy daily devotional that you complete. It probably takes about 15 minutes each day. It's on the Bible app. It's called Journey, A New Believer's Guide to Spiritual Growth. Uh, and if you prayed that prayer for the first time with us this morning, asking Jesus to come into your heart, or you respond to, to that this morning, we want to send and put this in your hands. We want to put this devotional in your hands. We've been working through it as a lead team here on staff. And I first asked Jesus to come into my heart in 1988 in a hot creation tent. It was a creation music festival. There was a hot children's ministry tent. I was sweating. Uh, I could still close my eyes and feel the heat uh, that was happening. And that morning it was like 98 degrees, I think, uh, at 10 a.m. And, uh, but I asked Jesus into my heart. But I'm going through this journey, New Believer's Guide to Spiritual Growth, and there still has yet to be two days in a row uh, where I don't have at least one thing that, that gets me. Like not every day is like, wow, that's life changing. But if not every day, then every other day, there's something that's hitting me. That's encouraging me. That's helping me. That's, that's helping me think of life in a different perspective than I was normally thinking about it, or that I had been thinking about it as of recently. So I encourage you, no matter where you are in your spiritual walk, this particular devotional is good. It helps ground and gives us some great foundations and, and some great starts to our lives. And we also need to pray. Prayer becomes this thing where like, People don't want to do it, especially publicly, because they think they're going to do it wrong. Dude, there's no way to do it wrong. Like, it just is. Like, I'm talking to you now. That's, that can be prayer. It's just like you talk to your neighbor. It's just like you talk, you, you, you text your, your friends and family all the time. Like, it's just conversations. You pick up the phone, you call. Like, that, that's prayer. Prayer can be written. It's okay if it's in a notebook. That's fine. It can be spoken out loud. It can be in your heart, wherever it is. There's no right way. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be poetic. God's not offended by your questions. He's not, a, he's not upset if you say I'm mad at you. I've told God I'm mad at him like a bunch of times. And he still loves me. He still talks to me. He still tells me all kinds of great stuff. Even though I told him I was mad at him. And even though I was mad at him, like I wouldn't just tell him. I was. I was mad at God. And it's okay. He can take it. He's a big dude. He can handle it. Pray, even if it's not right. It just has to be from your heart. But no matter where you start, you just have to start. Take a step. Ask God to meet you. Let your heart be open to him as you read, as you pray, as you look to him each day. And as you, as you ask him, God, let me see you today. I guarantee you, I promise you, he's going to show up in a way that you're going to be able to see his face. You're going to be able to see how he works. You're going to see him working in the background of your life. So in this game of life, we learn early on that it's not all like Candyland. We don't live in some sort of virtual reality world with limited resources and the ability just to walk away if the game gets too hard. We face real trouble with paydays happening few and far between. And those stretches of space can leave us seeking wisdom, strength, and help and not finding it. It can be overwhelming. So much so that, that we feel like the only thing that we want to do is go into our basements and play Dungeons and Dragons or maybe even the game Blood Rage. But God says... The taboo things, the things that keep us from focusing on him are all balderdash. So instead of running through the list of things that you have to do, set down all the cards that you can, call Uno, and sit at the feet of the one who can give you the wisdom, the strength, the peace, and the rest that you're so anxiously looking for. Let's close in a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you're the one card 
that we are uh, able to hold and it's easy to hold. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to see that card each and every day of our lives. Lord, help us to find the time that we need to set aside so that we can listen to your word, so we can listen to what you're saying to us, so we can talk with you, so we can share with you the things that are happening. And Lord, we just ask that you would uh, take this message. Father, you would allow us to seal it into our hearts and let it become a part of who we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the worship team is setting up and getting ready uh, behind me, I just want to mention to you that this altar is open. If you need to come and lay down some of those burdens that are this big, this is a great place to do it. You can do it from your seat. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it helps you and it does help you from time to time to come to the altar and just lay those burdens down and to worship them here at this place, we want to encourage you and invite you to do that. But however you choose to do that this morning, we just want to encourage and ask that you would do that. And as you do that, would you stand with us as we worship together? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to our podcast. I hope you found something practical to use in your life today. At Grace Collective, our mission is to connect people to Jesus. Everyone, everywhere, every day. You can visit gracecollectivechurch.com to learn more about our church and how you can get involved.